0: hola miami and the rest of the world before we begin this episode and before we begin celebrating miami beach pride yes happy miami beach pride to all of my people in the 305 um i want to talk to you about a nonprofit organization called out my closet out my closet is known for creating boutique like pop-up shops and homeless shelters for under-resourced lgbtq plus youth where they've offered free high quality shoes, accessories, toiletries and of course food 100% free. My buddy, YASPRO contributor and Out My Closet founder Michael Narain launched this organization back in 2013 and has since then donated over 28,000 articles of clothing. The success of this organization has helped in establishing partnerships with brands like Apple, Gap and Taylor, to name a few. Why am I telling you this? Guys, there's there's a crisis. Shocker, I know, because there's a crisis every fucking day, um, but this is one we can mend. Like this is we can we can actually do something about this one. Um, next time you're cleaning out your closet and you're thinking of taking all your old threads to some clothing reseller that'll maybe give you ten dollars in exchange for all of your Zara, whatever the hell you purchased, donate it to out my closet. Or if you have no clothes to donate, money works too. There are kids out there that have been kicked out of their homes and are having a really really tough time. LGBTQ plus youth are often at greater risk for certain dangers like use of illegal and dangerous substances, risky sexual behavior, and various mental health concerns. They need us, and they need our help in any way we can. And honestly, we need to bring advocacy back into pride, guys. Yeah, partying all weekend is cute and whatnot, and so is sucking all the dick in the world. But we want our youth to be able to join in the fun too someday. So let's contribute to a brighter tomorrow and donate. For more information on Out My Closet, head on over to their site. That's www.outmycloset. That's O U T M Y C L O S E T, just like I said it.org. Outmycloset.org. Happy Miami Beach Pride! And now, our feature presentation. This episode of Yasporo features discussions around sexual abuse, heavy drug use, and mental health. If you or a loved one is dealing with or is having a hard time dealing with any of these things, please seek professional help. Listener discretion is advised a little more than usual. But thanks for listening and be safe out there. What you know about rolling down in the deep When your brain goes numb You can call that mental freeze when What is happening, people? Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Yes, Bro! I'm hoping that this podcast, this episode, finds you well. And if it doesn't find you well, we're gonna fucking get you there. So, how's it going? I know I suck at keeping consistent, but a bitch gets busy. And... It's hard to keep up with these things, and like I said, I want to give you guys quality shit. <laughs> I want to give you guys good stuff, and I have to be in the right headspace for this. I feel like it's a very Lauren Hill approach to getting shit done. It's like, I'm just always late because I need to be feeling the mood, but I guess same. So Lauren Hill, I, I understand your struggle. Let's give Lauren Hill a break, and let's give me a break, Please so anyway thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode but more importantly to those of you who are contributing to the cause thank you so much for your donations i'm grateful for it and if you're looking to Donator to be part of the gas cause by all means you can tap the link in the podcast bio and you can sign up to Give a little donation whether it's a couple pennies whether it's a couple nickels a couple dimes a couple hundreds Whatever, I'll take it <laughs> I could honestly be on only fans right now showing pictures of my hole and then like you forget about it big fucking deal like who doesn't have a fucking asshole Or a a dick or balls come on like i'm giving you guys stories and experiences and i'm trying to drive culture change here like i can't do that with a fucking nude oh anyway today i have a very special guest everyone is special to me and we just love everyone i have a very special guest with me his name is javier say hi javier hi what's happening
1: Not much. I just (laughs) tagged you on a story.
0: Oh my God, you just tagged me. Javier and I met back when we used to work in retail. We used to work for the same company, but at different locations. And it was like a more like luxury and designer. And uh, I worked at one store in Miami and then he worked in another store over in the next county so we would call each other and we'd either talk shit about our coworkers, or we'd <laughs> hey do you have this item that new bag or that new dress or whatever in a size whatever or blah 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 and then we'd send it to each other and we'd keep it friendly and it was cool and what i love about the relationship that we've established over time we don't speak often we've kept in contact and coincidentally we know we have some mutual friends yeah which is pretty cool just goes to show how small the gay world and the retail world can be so i'm just happy that like we've been able to keep in touch and through all this time and at the same time like we're here and we're about to talk some good juicy stuff about lord knows whatever is gonna send us wherever this conversation is gonna because by now you should know that any interaction on yasbro can go in like any direction so i
1: i honestly uh thought that i wasn't cool enough
0: oh my god stop <laughs> your vehicle shut up Self, self-deprecating
1: <laughs> stuff still hangs out no because i messaged you and i was like mm-hmm. okay you never messaged back i guess
0: this was too clean oh god no please no i loved it <laughs> when you reached out to me i was like my jaw dropped with everything that you wanted to discuss i was that you like in regards to like the topics that i had posted and i was like Oh my God, we can touch on so many topics here. I love this. But again, like going back to what I said about Mike being in the right headspace and whatnot and finding the time, of course, and everyone's living a a busy schedule and it's like, all right, which day are we free? Which day can we coordinate? It's a nightmare. So please don't take it personal. And if you're listening to me or if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I reached out to you and and I'll get to you. I promise. (laughs) Be patient with me, please. I'm only one person. So anyway, back in those CH days, that was how long ago?
1: I worked there for seven
0: Oh my god, I just said the brand. Years.
1: It's fine. If it's uh, fine. She yeah. needs to know what's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I left the retail world. You left first. Maybe you started the domino effect. Maybe, but, like, I... You were like the hobbit to my Lord of the Rings. So- yes, I love that analogy. <laughs> I like i'm eternally grateful for the experience that i yes, gained there yes. i feel like i learned so much yes. i feel like it, it really shaped me to be the lovely person that i am today yeah um and you learn
1: about what you don't want to do and how you don't want to treat people by being treated poorly
0: exactly i
1: think when leaders blame the people that they are responsible for it's cowardly oh absolutely it's the head of the horse it's not the body exactly
0: yeah but we're not here to bash anyone no no you know if anything like you said Mm -hmm. we
1: wouldn't be i'm grateful for the team that i had because my direct team Mm -hmm. is what's made me successful in the
0: world that i'm in what i love about you is that you're not like the typical like retail gay i think so we don't walk around saying (sighs) i work for said designer and yeah. i designed this and you ain't sh- i remember one uh-huh. year i walked into
1: Saks because uh-huh. i was like i want to get my mom something really nice literally walked out crying because I, I was like <laughs> i'm poor and i can't <laughs> afford anything <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i never want to make people feel that way yeah
0: and it's funny because a lot of the retail gays i don't know why they're so fucking mean they, they're so mean and it's like why bitch shut Oh, like who you buy hurt you who hurt you you buy everything on discount shut <laughs> up you're not about that life and i have so i have a handful of friends that are retail gays but i i know how to weed out like the cool ones and yeah yeah, like, right, yeah.
1: yeah we're cool we there's can. some fun ones
0: yeah But then there are some that they're just like such insufferable little kinds. I'm like, yeah. You can tell the energy. There's retail gays that have good
1: energy and you're like, okay, I can vibe with you. Yeah. And then there's ones that are just like, get out.
0: Yeah, exactly. There are some that it's just, they don't even look at you. They don't acknowledge you. Working in retail, I learned like there are going to be people that are going to walk in and they're just going to waste your time. Yeah. That's normal. That's everywhere. And then there are people that you can establish a relationship with and perhaps get a sale out of. But the retail gays treat everyone like... You're going to waste my time. (laughs) And it sucks because sometimes it's, I'm really not here to waste your time. Like I'm thinking of buying something, but you're being a cunt. So I'll just get someone who's not a cunt to help me and I'll give them my money. There's also some people that are masochists and like to be treated that way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're right. They do. (laughs) They they like being mistreated. (laughs) Make me feel poor.
1: But then (laughs) So that I can exert my black card on you after fuel my ego.
0: Yes. But what gets me the most is the retail gays that work in the lower end retailers and they act like they're working high end and they treat everyone like shit. And I'm like, bitch, come on, you fold t-shirts. Don't get me wrong, I'm not shitting on anyone's hustle because I folded t shirts for a long time to get to where I'm at today, which hasn't been very far, but-
1: My closet looks great. My-
0: yes. My closet looks- (laughs) Flawless. My closet on laundry date looks great. (laughs) Wait, do all your hangers match? My closet looks like Britney Spears' closet right now. Have you seen her closet? No. She has mismatching hangers. Oh, gosh. I know, and I'm like, come on, Brittany. Yeah, but <laughs> She's trying, and I have all the love for her. Brittany, we're here for you. Brittany, I'm here to support you. What's your take on the whole conservatorship thing?
1: I think all of it's just bullshit. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. Like, her, like, people didn't have her best interest. They had their best interest. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's really interesting how... Much toxic masculinity is interwoven into all of it.
0: Yes, uh uh-huh. I've said this before, and I feel like she's, in a way, benefiting from her conservatorship. It's sad, given the circumstances that brought her to this stage in her life where, like, she has to be monitored 24-7 and that everything in her life is being controlled. And as much as I hate to say it, because she's like a caged little bird right now, but I think, like, without it, she would... Not be here with us. I
1: think, too, like, looking at what happened
0: mm-hmm. and then going
1: through my own personal struggles yeah. with mental illness and stuff, mm-hmm. like, I I get it. So now it's you look back at Brittany back then and you're like, girl, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I shaved my head, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through that. And so I think that's part of it. But it's also, it's like you said, I, despite the conservatorship, at least her struggles and stuff have been more protected yeah imagine if her breakdowns were as public as demis i know oh god i know we don't i don't want to shit on her but i don't know if she's doing more good or bad for the community in the world and all that stuff so right yeah it, it can get a little messy mm. part of my the thing that i get mad at is and i've also worked in the industry uh-huh is that there's things happening every single day. Yeah. There's people dying every single day. There's people struggling every single day mm-hmm. and they're not in the limelight. So it's there's this like halo effect where it's just, you see it happening with Britney, and everybody's talking about Britney, but nobody's talking about all of the children yeah. and, and all of the moms and all of the dads that
0: mm-hmm.
1: are fighting this battle day to day. Yeah. And not that they deserve the limelight either, but it's just, I think it's about It should be more about bringing awareness Mm -hmm. than it is about having something to talk about.
0: So you mentioned that you worked with personal struggles, with, with personal struggles and like substance abuse and whatnot. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So I went through my own struggles Mm -hmm. and I think that going through that coming out of it gives you this experience. And so it's about taking your experiences and looking at like how can I make the world a better place Mm -hmm. and it it all happened by accident really so I ended up owning a sober living facility which is the first house that I purchased where I we would
0: so wait by the way you've been sober for how many years now
1: seven in july congrats yes miracles happening every day yes and so i I ended up owning this business and then i ended up networking with a different treatment centers Uh and different organizations and then i ended up volunteering at some and performing at some like singing at some memorials singing at different events and then eventually i got invited to come and speak more and like mentor and coach and then One lady pulled me aside one day and was like, you need to stop doing this for free. Uh And I was like, what? She's (laughs) like, you need to stop doing this for free. Your time is valuable. Uh And at this point, like, I really think that you can help people. And so we want to give you the opportunity. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it for part time because God knows sometimes the retail business, the struggle is real. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like it's such a cold and calloused world that doing the other, like the mental illness and the treatment center and like seeing all these people and like experiencing real realness right to mm-hmm. that, to life was a great balance. Cause okay. I would go to work and I'd be like, this shit's nothing yeah like karen doesn't know what the fuck's really going on not to minimize her struggles but i and so it created a really good balance but i would basically go there and i'd facilitate groups help people talk about their feelings Mm -hmm. i also have a unique ability to tear down walls with people i think i get it from my mom Mm -hmm. and so it would help them get vulnerable Mm -hmm. and then the therapist would come in and do the cleanup
0: oh (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love this regimen you had going on. I'm not a trained professional, but. Right, right, right. When you've got. Sometimes God or the universe or whatever you want to call it gives you gifts. And when a gift is given, you're supposed to use that gift. You're not supposed to keep it for yourself. So that's just what I did. You can go to school to be a therapist and get a, letters in front of your name, but you might not help people. So there's things you can teach and things you can't.
0: Right. No, and that's a very valuable thing because we learn a lot of traits in life and that's wonderful, but it's about possessing that gift that comes just naturally to you and being able to instill that gift and share that gift with other people. I think that's more valuable than You know any certificate on a wall or anything like that you know like yeah totally there are people who go to school and they get their degrees and everything and then they hate what they're doing they hate their profession and they don't do it with that 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 sense of passion or that sense of oh my gosh this is why i do what i do i can't tell you how many shit nurses that i've expected shit doctors yeah i've never seen a therapist but i know that there are shit therapists out there love therapy huge
1: advocate for therapy
0: everybody needs to be in therapy (laughs) tell us more tell us why no it's funny because like therapy has been a buzzword for a long time but now like with quarantine within like throughout 2020 like there have been a lot more a lot more conversations about checking in with your mental health and seeing seeking therapy even when you feel like you don't need one and a lot of us don't realize that we 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 have a lot of pent-up frustration and even though we have our friends and we do things to make us happy they don't really get to the root cause of things and sometimes there really isn't a way of getting to the root of the situation but just talking through it and getting that advice and that guidance or whatever it is i think that's huge and i think we need more of that what's your take
1: yeah i think absolutely i think i think i also just see society shifting. Mm -hmm. And I think that... In what way? Just like looking back at from the 1920s to the 19... Like all the different decades and the evolution of people. And I think that it's just shifted from the mind to the heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where we're going into the direction of. And the mental health crisis has always been there. Yeah. But it's just skyrocketed since the pandemic because all of the things that were, like you said putting all of those band-aids mm-hmm. were removed. Yeah. The work that was distracting you from what's really going on was taken away. Being able to go out and drink and party with your friends and numb the pain that you're in was taken away. Mm-hmm. The gym where you're able to exert some of that energy was taken away. So all of these things that people were using to to numb or to stuff or to distract themselves from what's really going on were all taken away. And mm-hmm. so- When you look at what's happened the past year, domestic abuse went up, suicide rates went up. In the recovery community, relapses went up, overdoses went up. Uh So all of these things skyrocketed because people don't do well looking at themselves. Yeah. And so that's one side of it. But really, like, why wouldn't you want to invest in in getting better? Like, why would you just be like, oh, I'm good enough. Mm -hmm. I just need to make money, fuck bitches, and die. That's what (laughs) I'm going to settle for. Yeah. What? Like. Why would you want to live such a shallow life?
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's such a common thing, especially within the gay community. Like we all grew up with trauma at some point, whether it was being bullied, whether it was like living in the closet or whatever, we all carry baggage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of, I, I don't want to speak for the entire community, but there are several segments of people within our community that look to vices to distract them from the pain that they're feeling. Even if they don't feel like they're actively feeling pain, there's pain nonetheless. So we we engage in activities like meaningless sex or substance abuse, for example.
1: I think it's just a lot of, I don't know. It's just, it's very scary and Mm -hmm. disorienting being gay or confused and growing up in a primarily heterosexual driven world. Yeah. There's no book for us and there's books for other people and there's mm-hmm. they teach lessons for other people
0: and you see Well, Yasbro is writing before. that book right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so
1: it's and then when you look at the book, yeah. what is it? It's just sex, drugs and Britney Spears <laughs> and Lady Gaga. Yeah. and more sex and more drugs uh-huh. and more what racism and ageism yeah. and Just all of that stuff. And so people look, that's where we look at. And Mm -hmm. then when we look at that, we're like, okay, well then that's what I have to do. And if I don't do that, then I'm ugly and I'm going to die alone and I might as well just-
0: I can't say that I went through a self-destructive phase, I guess, back to what you said a couple moments ago, I'm a product of a semi-conservative household where, you know, and I've said this before, like I grew up like a little more prudish. Culturally. Yeah. And I didn't really grow up partying. I've always been taught, like, no one touches your body. You don't touch anyone else's body. Wait,
1: were you raised, like, Roman Catholic? No, I wasn't raised anything. That's oh, the okay. gag of it all. Because I was raised Roman Catholic. Oh, okay. So I was burning in hell at, like, five. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Just, like, dancing in hell. Like, just like, all right. I can only go downhill from
0: here. Yeah. For me, I mean, my grandparents were conservative. Like, they were just christian or whatever and then my mom she raised me without wanting me to be affiliated to like any religion because she was raised in a religious household she carried on a lot of the values and virtues and whatnot right but she didn't force that onto me because it was forced onto her and she was just like i want my son to make a choice i don't want to force it onto him which by the way
1: watching you and your mom interact just on your stories i think is so endearing (laughs) and loving i think it's so cool you guys have that such a open, dynamic relationship. Yeah, and it's just beautiful.
0: Yeah, it wasn't always like that. It was like that for a long time until I came out, and then things got weird for a short period of time. Yeah, and then Homegirl came around, and I'm like, "Yes, Mom," and she's like my probably my biggest supporter right now. Oh, like beautiful. Yeah, so. I'm proud of her. She's not listening because I told her, don't ever fucking listen to my podcast.
1: Oh, God. That's what I was just thinking about. I was like, so actually last night I was like, okay, so when I share this so my friends can support, uh-huh. like, I'm going to put it on close friends because yes. God forbid that my mom learns how to use podcasts, Oh god, listens to this, and ends up even more traumatized than oh she already my is. God. No, Yeah, I told my mom, I'm like,
0: I don't want you listening to my podcast. Ever. Don't even tell any of my family members that I have one. I'll tell them myself. Do not listen to it if you're not prepared to hear. Right. these things
1: because it's your choice yeah
0: yeah it's their choice but i give them the disclosure and a explicit warning <laughs> and all that stuff right. so, you, well, so wait,
1: when did you come
0: out so i really didn't come out Uh huh. i was dragged out of the closet <laughs> my mom found this like conversation that i was having with a former boyfriend okay. and she was like what the fuck is this and i'm like oh my god why are you looking at my shit and then like she found out there and then i had to explain myself <sighs> same Can, thing with my dad mm-hmm. so
1: coming out late yeah By the way,
0: how old are you now?
1: Do we have to answer this? Oh,
0: God. 1987. 1987. Okay. So I'm 34. Uh-huh. Okay. Or 33. Okay. Somewhere there, yeah.
1: Three, two, I don't even know. (laughs) I think I'm 30. I think I'm 34.
0: Okay. And you came out at what age? So
1: I... Excluding trauma, I had... My first same-sex experience that I chose when I was 27. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. 27 was the first time that I ever kissed a guy. Okay. And then we blew each other in the parking garage off Las Olas. Oh, that's hot. Okay.
0: (laughs) Romantic. And so that was the first time. Okay. But prior to that? um... Never
1: had it. Like I said, excluding trauma. So I had Hmm. two traumatic experiences. One as a child and then one one as an adult
0: mm-hmm. if you want to speak on them it's okay if not you don't have to
1: well one involves a family member so i'd rather like that okay. i'll admit like uh-huh. all that I'll,
0: but it was just like it, it happened for a number
1: of years and then eventually it stopped happening mm-hmm. and then i never talked about it because that part of me like felt gross and shame and you're there's so much fear but it's always there and so it's you don't know it's like you're suffering from something, but you don't know what you're suffering from until it's given a name. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really happen until later on, where I was just like casually talking. And for some reason, it came out one day. And when it came out, the person that I was sp- speaking to was like, That's not okay. What do you Because by then, it's like after years of suppressing trauma, you normalize it, or I normalized it. And I was like, What are you talking about? And she was like, No, that's molestation or whatever. And I was like, What? And then she was like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. And so then I was like, I was molested. And then it's just, it went from that to victimization. So like, I want to victimize myself because it's an excuse for me to self-destruct. So that's not healthy either. So that was one experience that then I just had to heal through. And today we're great. The, whole, the At least from what I can tell, the family's healed. It's not something that we all openly talked about. Right. I talked about it to that person. I confronted them once I had two years sober. And now I know that it was just, there wasn't any penetration involved. It was more like, oral sex stuff and now I know that it's just an experience I also know that a lot of children go through that and I don't want to say that it's normal but Mm -hmm. it's normal and I think that like part of healing from trauma is realizing that I'm the one that gives it the power and so I think like my story used to own me and today I own my story and so I think that's part of it too and then the old the other one that happened when I was older when I was Desperate because I was struggling with substance abuse. A dealer who worked in the industry was like, "Hey, you should come." And
0: that worked in which industry? What industry? Oh, okay, in uh-huh. Miami, uh-huh. off
1: Red Road. Never going to forget. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. He was like, "You can drive down here. We'll give you a hundred bucks. You just have to stand here, and you won't like you'll be an extra, uh-huh. right? You don't have to do anything sexual. You don't have to take your clothes off. You just show up." And so I was like, "Okay, great." And this is actually before. I had my first gay experience. Oh, okay. But by now I had been like secretly watching gay porn for years and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I show up and he sits with me outside and he's, hey, so I told the directors that you're bi. Mm -hmm. So that way they're more open to having you here. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I still at this point hadn't identified, but I think that people in my life just suspected it. So Mm -hmm. he was just like, yeah, whatever. And so I get in there, and they're like, hey, you can make more money if you take your clothes off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. What do you mean? And they're like, you don't have to do anything sexual. Just take your clothes off. And when we get to the next part, we'll tell – it was like a hazing thing. And so they're like, we'll get you to that point. And then when they're like, hey, will you do more, you just say no, and then they will escort you out. So I was like, okay, that's not that bad. So like the way they worded it, I was like, I can handle this. It's not right. that bad. It went from $100 to $700 because gay porn is lucrative. And now that OnlyFans has come out, it's not as lucrative. Yeah. But anyways, back then it was <laughs> lucrative. Gay for pays like going out to McDonald's now. So I was like, okay, cool. It's not that bad. So quick walkthrough. They made me wear a really stinky oversized suit. They tied me and five other guys up and made us walk down the side of the road. By the way, I thought this was gonna be like an in and out. I got there at three o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't leave till four o'clock in the morning. Oh shit. They tied us all up and made us walk a single file line down the side of a road by a warehouse. They pulled up in a white van and they threw bags over our heads and tied us up and put us in the van. They drove us to a warehouse. We got to the warehouse, we got out of the van And then they took the bags off our head. And then all of the guys that were extras were all around us and they were like yelling at us, calling us like faggot, you little bitch, like you want to go home to your mom, you're a fucking whatever. And so they're like all insulting you. And for that moment, like for somebody that was had been like closeted and already struggling with substance abuse, it was like this personification of everything that I had ever called myself Uh coming out to me and being like in reality. Does that? you know what it does that make yeah, sense yeah it makes sense yeah because you like call yourself things growing up and so like
0: right and was, people like, call you and things. people call you things
1: yeah. I, you bullied your whole life and so but being, did you
0: know the whole putting a bag over your head and did they walk you through the experience like no. we are gonna tell you oh like
1: last minute they were like oh you're gonna do this and so we get to this and i'm like shutting i'm just like there's this voice saying run mm-hmm. get out and then there's this like powerlessness that's just no like you have to do this because you need the money Yeah. And so it's like not a good place to be in when you're willing to compromise your your morals. Then they made you take all your clothes off. And then they made us do like jumping jacks. And then they made us do like naked sit ups. And then they made this like guy bend over and you do a sit up into his ass. And I again, like I was still closeted. And so I'm I'm doing all of this. And I'm just like, what is happening? I just want to leave. I want to cry. This isn't okay with me. And so I get up and I like tell them that like to stop. And then they like the director and these people are like, what are you doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, you, I didn't agree to this. Mm-hmm. You didn't tell me that any of this was going to happen yeah. and I'm not okay with this. And then they just looked at me and they said, well, if you don't finish, we're not going to pay you. <sighs> and so I forced myself to finish and not like orgasm. Like I forced myself to finish the scene and they mm-hmm. paid me yeah. and then I left. So, like, that, I think, was just traumatic in general because, again, I hadn't come out. I wasn't comfortable. And, like, the whole time I wanted to leave, I didn't want to do it. But it's, there wasn't anybody to blame because I did it for myself. Yeah. So, that was the second time that I experienced trauma. And I really, like, again, it's not... I talk about it because, especially down here, there's so many men that, A, struggle with their sexuality... Be struggle with substance abuse, and even if they're not addicts or alcoholics, they're still numbing themselves because of the traumatic experiences that they've had, and they don't talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it, yeah. right? Because women are so much more comfortable talking about trauma, sexual uh, trauma, and all this other stuff, but men aren't. Yeah, and so I speak to it because I think it gives permission for other men to like start that conversation. Like, you can heal from decisions you've made even if you're not gay and you've done gay for pay Mm -hmm. it's fine if you close your eyes and someone's blowing you yolo yeah like it still feels you're gonna get a boner Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) yeah you're Mm -hmm. gonna
1: get a boner so it's just but they don't want to talk about it and they're scared and then eventually they take it out on themselves or they take it out on women
0: yeah and from what i've seen and from what i've observed like men from a very young age they're raised to believe that you can't be sensitive Mm -hmm. you can't be gay you can't cry you can't show emotion so from a very young age this is being they're being hardwired to not feel any kind of emotion and to suppress all of these things and that's why we see so many people issues I hate to say the word issues because that's such an ugly word but for lack of a better term fucking issues yeah they don't suffer but they make the people around them suffer around them because they don't know how to channel any of this shit and I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I see a lot of posts that are created around like it's okay for men to cry it's okay for men to feel it's okay for men to be sensitive it's, it's okay for men to do ABCDF and I'm like how long has it taken for us to get to this point in society where we have to be telling men hey it's okay to feel it doesn't make you any less of a man it doesn't make you gay it, it, not that being gay is a bad thing i've seen it like whenever i'm out like this one time i saw this mom yelling at her like three four year old son at walmart and she was like he was crying i don't even know why he was crying but she started yelling at him stop crying you ain't no faggot!" Like. Come on, like, why are you going to yell at that? Yell that at your child. Mm-hmm. So I think about people who, again, are products of society and products of their own environment and whatnot. And that's why people grow up with like internalized homophobia. That's why people grow up with this like fear of homosexuals. And so
1: I, I remember being like, when did Space Jam come out?
0: space jam was 1995 i would say okay
1: so that means that i was eight years old and i love the space jam soundtrack i have it still <laughs> somewhere and so i you know w- what we
0: should pick a space jam song as like the <laughs> outro for this <laughs> yes
1: um so i would listen to different things and my sister and i would put on what are called shows Uh huh. and the parents would sit down and we would all perform in these little shows yeah And one day I was in my
0: garage. That was like TikTok for us. Right. Yeah.
1: Before you could. Yeah. You have to watch it live. Yes. You can't record it. So I was by myself in my garage and I was dancing to R. Kelly at the time because.
0: I believe I can fly. Still. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was dancing to. Iconic.
1: And I was just like twirling and just Mm -hmm. having this moment with myself, just freely expressing myself. And I remember I turned around mm-hmm. and my mom was standing there. Mm-hmm. And the look on her face was just disgust. Yeah. And she just looked at me and she said, what are you doing? And I started to like try to freestyle like in a funny way. And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to dance. And mm-hmm. she looked at me and she said, that's not what you were doing. And I was like, and I just put my head down and I was just like full of shame. Yeah. And I just felt so... I felt so bad about myself, and yeah. I don't think that, like, an eight-year-old should feel that much shame. Yeah. It's so sad looking back at that little boy, and she just looked at me, and she said, boys don't dance like that, mm-hmm. and she just turned around and walked away, and so it's just that's something that's burned in my mind, and then when you look at, like, that, and, like, I don't, whatever, I'm just going to talk about it, and if you don't like it or don't agree with it, mm-hmm. live your best life, but like, I look at, like, how that affected me, and, like, I went through, I was, like... I always too shy to dance. I was always too shy to like really express myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like I had to go through life like being so scared because of that. The first people that you want to like love you, accept you, and like all this other stuff is always your mom and dad. right? Before society fucks you up even more.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if you didn't have enough to deal with at home. Now you got to deal with the shit on the outside. Yeah. So that was really hard. And I think that's like just a
1: lot of stuff like where it began a lot of fear yeah that's why
0: you hold back i can say the same because i've had several moments like that i used to jam out to spice girls yes and i would just like (laughs) oh my god
1: did you have britney spears posters of
0: course i did but then as i grew (laughs) older I would say, Britney, yeah, she's so hot, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And for some reason, like, I I had the intuition to do that. And even in middle school where I was right. like, heavily bullied, I, was, I would just be like, yeah, I love Britney Spears. And here I am singing, like, maybe one more time, not a girl, not yet a woman. And, <laughs> like, the lyrics, I didn't understand them, but they spoke to me for some reason. And for some reason I knew, okay, let's, we're going to mask this by saying, yeah, she's hot because I don't want the, I'm, I'm being, I've been made fun of right. for being a Britney Spears fan and for like love it, for not listening to DMX, for not listening to you know hip hop or R&B the, the same way that all the other boys were listening to. I didn't have the same taste in music, but you know, when I was younger, like, my mom would play Celine Dion and Barbara Streisand, and I would just like Celine. pirouette, and have Celine, <laughs> <laughs> Madame Celine, <laughs> just like pirouette around the apartment and like waltz and jump around, and I would live for this. So when my mom was like, I had no idea you were getting, I'm like, girl, come on. But I digress. Like they were in the closet with us. Uh, yeah. Like she was dressing me up basically. <laughs> like, like she's still in the closet. I came out. She's still in it. She's, Come back. I want to put this dress on This is some more Barbara. Oh my gosh. But I'm right there with you. I always enjoyed listening and like listening to female. And not to say that just because you're listening to Britney Spears, it makes you gay. But along with that, like I enjoyed playing with Barbies. And when I would play with Barbies with my cousin, I'd be pulled out and be like, boys don't play with dolls oh yeah but you were holding on to ken oh, mm. well, ken was cute and all these <laughs> like other thinking, things like
1: running the finger <laughs> on his oh, abs oh, no, <laughs> no over his like non-existent penis <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs> <laughs> i can't it's so weird yeah. to think about just being that young and having and like you said like really just normalizing inauthenticity yeah and just being like cool with it. Oh, that, but then the internet hit and that fucked everything up. Oh, God. Remember yeah. Dial Up Porn?
0: Yes. Once I <laughs> discovered what porn <laughs> was, so I realized, I always knew I was different. Yeah. I was very, I was always more like feminine. I was a little on the girlier side. I enjoyed playing with Lisa Frank, like school oh, supplies. Frank. I loved all that shit. My parents wouldn't buy it for me, right. of course, but that's what I always gravitated towards. But it wasn't until Dial Up Porn where i would get like an ad or something like that and it would be like oh what's this oh what's that and then i would see a man and a woman having sex and then it'd be like oh wow i want to see more of the man so i started they like, never show you they never showed <laughs> i'm like why and it wasn't until i started like image searching like naked man right shirtless man and then i'd find like the and then it'd be like man's peepee and like, those <laughs> types of things and i was like okay this is where i'm this is what i've This is what it's come to.
1: Those, like, those, I think you see them in Wilton more so, but those little, like, magazines Mm -hmm. with the guy with the shirt off yeah. like, you scroll through and there's, like, super, it's just, like, a super gay little magazine. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And so I found one of those, and I was so excited. But again, I don't know what to call it. Right. I didn't know what to call it either. Like, what do you call it? So you're just looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then it started out, so we would go to Barnes & Noble, Mm -hmm. and then I would find myself in the art section, Ah. and you would find, like, the black and white books of like men Mm -hmm. and like racy poses and i'd be like oh my god and so i would just sit there and look at and then then the abercrombie and fitch catalogs oh god (laughs) the softcore porn until then you found sean cody and you just were like you're like oh wow like
0: huh the underwear section at walmart means nothing to me now (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) because that was another thing for me like i would like shop for underwear Just to look at the packaging. And I remember I would save some of the packaging for a couple of days and then, like, guilt or like the fear of someone finding it, I'd just throw it out. Or Justin
1: Timberlake's Rolling Stones. Oh my God. God.
0: (laughs) Don't even. I remember I stumbled upon this, this like one page that was like nude male celebs. And they were all like these Photoshop jobs of.
1: But you didn't even care.
0: I didn't even care. I was you like, even oh even my gosh, care. this is what Justin Timberlake <laughs> looks like naked.
1: I'm here for it. I think mm-hmm. I, I might have even copy and pasted one of their heads myself and just be like,
0: I'm doing this. <laughs> or like with Paul Walker, for example. Oh my gosh.
1: Aww, another RIP. But yeah, same thing. Yeah. But he never showed as much skin as he should have.
0: I know. May his soul rest in peace. Yeah,
1: we. They think there was like one shirtless scene in Fast and the Furious. And then I think, was he in Into the Blue with Jessica Alba? I think he was. Yeah, I think I was still pretending to be straight though. So I was still focused on Jessica Alba's ass.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't do Horrible much Horrible actress.
1: <laughs> really pretty. Yeah. I had some experiences when I was a child where... I would play doctor, or like I would tell kids to show me parts of them, and mm-hmm. it was. And we got caught a couple of times, and they were like, "That's not normal." But it's like, at the end of the day, that is normal too. Yeah. Like boys experimenting, yeah, with other boys and um, girls
0: experimenting with, with other, other, other girls, girls. yeah, that's yeah, fine. because everyone's curious about their bodies, and sometimes like kids grow up where their parents aren't teaching them about their bodies, because I guess they feel uncomfortable doing that. And a lot of times, like, I hate to make an example out of this, like, in one of my, the foreskin episode, for example, one of the guys that I had interviewed, his mom really didn't teach him about how to take care of his peepee. And he didn't really have a father figure. I don't know. I think he could still have his foreskin right now if he had been done. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm kidding. I don't know, but No, it's yeah. true. And mm-hmm. there's
1: just this shame surrounded around yeah. sex mm-hmm. in general, whether you're hetero or
0: homo you're yeah.
1: or anything in between. There's shame with sex and I don't know. And then also like being raised Catholic, like every other conversation was like did he touch you? Where mm-hmm. did the priest touch you? Yeah. It was just weird, but going into college, I was just like I had been free for the first time. And then by then we had faster internet that took hold but it was still very like secretive and then i had uh straight friends that were hot and stupid and huh. you like young stupid hot straight men are just the worst when it comes to closeted
0: <sighs> yes guys. for me because
1: uh-huh. their dicks are just flopping around and they're so yeah. comfortable and when you're in the closet you're just like i'm here for it I'm yeah here. i'm so glad that you feel so comfortable changing in front of me
0: and then those, those stupid men and those stupid boys grow up to be stupid men and their habits don't die <laughs> so it's just it's
1: not healthy yeah. I, and i would just sexualize my friends and that's another thing too like i had to learn how to have healthy male friendships uh-huh and that took me a long time to learn and so we were do i would do drugs with an experiment with different drugs with some of my straight friends and they would just pass out and then they're and they would just pass out in their underwear and then their like dicks would slip out and mm-hmm. it'd be like staring at them yeah. like, for hours <laughs> yeah or like smelling their underwear after they masturbate and leave it on the floor mm-hmm. and all along i'm like doing these things and i'm just like this isn't normal yeah and so i would just be depressed and ashamed and like that never goes away and you're still more depressed and you're more ashamed and more depressed and more ashamed and more and so finally like i find drugs and drugs are just like the release yeah you're like i'm free i'm okay Uh, I feel better, which is really like this anxiety because you develop anxiety. Pretending every day is such hard work. It is. Yeah.
0: I don't know how people do it. (laughs) It's
1: such hard work. (laughs) Like every single day trying to control everything, the way that you sit, the way that you sound, the way that you talk, the way that you dress, the way that you express yourself, secretly listening to pop music because then they'll know you're gay. So it's just like trying to be hyper-masculine. Yeah. Because that's what people want, and then you can get into a conversation about how you want to be hyper masculine because if you're perceived as feminine, you're weak because we perceive women to be weak, yeah, so that's not that's like a, another episode, but <laughs> I actually ended up going to rehab a bunch, and all the along this whole time that I'm dating women, I'm having attempting and or having sex with them, and I didn't lose my virginity until I was. 23?
0: Virginity as in? Like penis in vagina. Okay, all right. Because when you're gay, you have, I guess you're. The yeah, definition like you of count? virgin. What the... do you count as virginity? I know, you count? Like, yeah. That? It, right? it expands. And even
1: like when I was talking to you about the other thing, I uh-huh. was just like, wait, if he put it in, did he lose his virginity too? Yeah. Or is he still a virgin because it didn't go in his butt? Exactly. And then what if you're wearing a condom? If it's not skin to skin, you're still a
0: <laughs> No, but seriously, it's something that needs to be explored because a girl can lose her virginity. I don't know. Like, like... does
1: virginity mean penetration?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Or does it
1: mean orgasm?
0: That's the thing. But if like... a
1: guy has sex with a girl and he puts it in her vagina, he mm-hmm. says it's losing his virginity.
0: Yeah. So but that then, counts. And then what if the guy penetrates another male? he's losing his virginity but then there's like his anal virginity if he receives so so, it's- so you have like anal
1: virginity yeah oral virginity uh-huh hand virginity
0: yes so it's like all these kinds of- there are all kinds of virginities yeah. yes they- okay so okay. <laughs> I, we need to is this is a serious conversation that needs to
1: be i yeah so i'm having like interactions with women all along uh-huh And by now, like, I know what's going on, but I'm still afraid. So I ended up going to rehab. First time in 2010. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of painkillers. Okay. A lot of painkillers. Like, I should be dead.
0: I'm glad you're not and that you're alive and you're here to tell the tale. And, Amen. Yes. So I went to my first
1: rehab. That was a shit show. Got out, went drinking to celebrate. (laughs)
0: That I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> no, but...
1: <laughs> my friends picked me up. We're like, we're uh-huh. going out happy hour. Yeah. Well, at the time I'm like, pills are the problem if mm-hmm. I can drink. Cause I'd never yeah. had a problem with drinking. Ended up shooting up like a month later. So I started using intravenously, by the way, like when I worked for said retailer, mm-hmm. I was homeless. So I would show up to the mall cause I relapsed while I worked there. Uh huh. I would show up to the mall and I would I was living out of my car and I would go to Grand Lux Cafe. Uh-huh. And I would show up like an hour before my shift and I would get ready in the bathroom. No way. And then I'd go to work. I had my needle in my suit pocket. Look at this beautiful new collection. This bag is called the whatever. Uh-huh. And then I'd be like, got to go to the bathroom, be right back. I'd go to the bathroom in the back and like I would shoot up in the bathroom. At work. Stop it! No way. Don't know if you can.
0: Whatever. I don't care. It's I'm, entirely up to you. No, that's cool. You can say it. Did you ever after I called you and asked you for like an item check?
1: Oh yeah, I probably. Thought, I, <laughs> we don't have it. <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time a customer looked at me and we're like, you are not okay. And I'm like, you're not okay. Oh. And then they left. They didn't buy anything. I think I scared them. Oh, no. And there was this really kind Christian girl that worked at Starbucks and always gave me free coffee. Oh, okay. And one day, I, I like, she was leaving and I wrote her a card and I wrote, and by now I was doing well. And I, I wrote her a card mm-hmm. and I was like, I just want to let you know that I was homeless for three months and you always made me feel like a person. And so she uh-huh. left and that was just important. So it was like in and out. I think it was like my third time in treatment. I met this guy uh-huh. and by now, like I would go to rehab and be like, I'm struggling with my sexuality and that's why I do drugs or I have trauma and that's why I do drugs. So everything was an excuse, uh-huh. which is not
0: helpful. No, forgive me for asking this because I've been to a couple of, you know, meetings where with addicts and people in recovery uh-huh. and not because that's part of my journey, but I went to support right. friends and a lot of time people attribute their addiction to trauma and whatnot. And then there are some people that they're just like, no, I just enjoyed it. So did you associate your abuse with your trauma or you enjoyed it Or was it a combination of the two? Or oh, like...
1: both. I had a grand old time. Like I had great times. Mm-hmm. But I think, I really think that in the beginning, drugs and alcohol saved my life. Mm-hmm. Because if I hadn't found that, I probably would have killed myself. Uh-huh. So like jumping forward. So like... 2014 i'm living in a crack house i've been homeless for three months and i texted my cousin i'd rather die than be gay no way yeah i text i just remember i remember texting her that i was like i don't want to be gay i'd rather just die wow and i think that it's just where i was at but i think it's more so i was in so much pain that Mm -hmm. i just didn't want to exist anymore it wasn't about ending my life it was about ending the suffering yeah And I think that's a a really important, clear distinction. And if you're struggling with that thought, Jonathan can give you my phone number and we can talk about it because it's such a like sad thing that happens where people just would rather kill themselves.
0: And the sad reality is that a lot of people result to that. I have this one friend, you know, I mean, he rests in peace, but I, I lost contact with him. And then it wasn't until several years later i hear that he took his own life Mm -hmm. and i'm under the impression that a huge part of it was because he couldn't live with himself he did things to to cope with and whatnot but he was not accepted by his family and i I think that he had a lot to deal with he never like really recovered from or sought out you know the help that he needed to make a, a step towards recovery
1: And it's so sad. So, like, I was in treatment my third time. I Mm -hmm. met this guy. And by now I was, like, talking freely. And he pulled me aside and he was like, hey, I think you're so courageous Mm -hmm. for talking about. And now he's married, has kids, whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: Married with a male, female. Female. Okay. Uh And has kids and stuff.
1: But he was like, I find it so courageous that you can talk about your struggles and being bi and whatever. And I think that I'm bi and whatever. And so we were just like, let's try it and then this is when i was 27 years old and i was uh-huh. like what's it like to kiss a guy and it was so weird oh my god my first kiss with a guy was gnarly like feeling male i don't it just was different
0: gnarly in a good way or gnarly like in a- both uh-huh. at first i was just like oh but
1: then there's this part of you where it's just like electric
0: yeah and it's this is what it's supposed to feel like to kiss
1: somebody yeah And so then we went and... And so then it's different, right? Because I I would say that I never had a whore phase. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, being promiscuous is, like, hooking up with somebody that you're not dating. Yeah. Like, I would probably have a random sexcapade, like, once a month or, like, once every two months. And I would always, like, shame myself for it.
0: Yeah.
1: So that was the beginning. And then from there, like, I found... I had the courage to download Grinder. Oh, a <laughs> rite of passage. That <laughs> changed change my life. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. Coming out later in life, you just don't know the lingo. So, like, yeah. people would be like DDF, DF, mm-hmm. MF, PMP, like all these things. And I'd these acronyms. I, right. And, and then, then they, on top of that,
0: all these tribes with all these animals. Yeah, and... Like,
1: are you into breeding? And I'm like, What's dogs? That? I don't have any. <laughs> 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 like, like, like <laughs>
0: No, breeding cats, silly. No, like, what are you breeding? <laughs> I love animals. Uh-huh. Like, what?
1: <laughs> I just didn't know. Uh-huh, I didn't uh-huh. know yeah. what these things were. Yeah. And it was just so horrible. <laughs> just...
0: <laughs> breeding dogs? yes yes dogs okay have
1: you ever been bred before i was like Like, what what do you mean and he's come inside your ass and i was like what oh uh, my god does that give you like diarrhea for a week i was so scared of all these things pooping on someone's penis like you just don't know and i'm like too old so i feel like the 40 year old virgin like not even knowing what to do Uh and then comes this angel Uh uh-huh looked like a j crew model oh and i i was actually so not recommended but i was at a, at one of these recovery meetings uh-huh and i raised my hand and i was like struggling with my sexuality which screams i'm because gay guys love what i found to turn out like new gay guys uh-huh so i was just like whatever so he walks up to now i don't regret it because I wish I would have been more awake to experience it like spiritually, Mm -hmm. really take advantage of that situation. But he was like, hey, I I loved what you said. Let's hang out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'd love to hang out with somebody to show me the ropes. He's come over uh, and pick me up and we'll go to a coffee shop because he rode his bike everywhere. And I was like, okay, cool. So I drive my car and I'm like, hey. And he's, oh, I'm just getting ready. Do you want to come upstairs? And I'm like, all right, this is whatever, like new friend. So I go – I park my car. It's like a porn. I go upstairs, and he opens the door, and he's in a towel. Oh, okay. And and he's, hey, just got out of the shower. I just got to get ready. Do you – like, just
0: sit right here. So I'm sitting
1: on his couch, and I'm, like, just hanging out, like, waiting for him to get ready. And he, like – What was the decor in his place like?
0: Oh. Was it tasteful?
1: No, it was (laughs) – Of course not. It wasn't tasteful. It was very, like, (laughs) fresh out of college.
0: Oh, God. And so, like, TV on the floor – Oh, mattress on the floor oh god say less you
1: knew <laughs> so i like i'm sitting on the couch and he comes up behind me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and i'm like what are you doing and he's it's okay just relax and i'm like what do you mean relax so he comes around he, wa- he stands in front of me and he just drops the towel oh okay and i'm like oh my god this is happening so at the time i was like super excited but it was also like scary and so whatever and so that was my first experience bottoming oh okay probably around 28 29 and how was 28 no that so the first time i I think he was just very skilled at what he was doing Uh uh-huh because it was the most incredible experience i've ever had okay yeah like i came without him touching my penis that's lovely i love that for you i had a tingly feeling in my face Uh uh-huh which uh, all these things had never happened to me. And so I was just like, oh my God. And it's just, it's so weird. I didn't know how to manscape. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what douching is. I still haven't really fully figured that (laughs) out. To be honest with you, it's just like really all these people give me suggestions. Yeah. One guy was like, oh, you should wear a butt plug throughout the day. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, it'll just loosen you up. And I'm like, that sounds very, I feel like I don't want to walk around for nine hours feeling like I have to take a shit. No.
0: Listen, I bought one. I have yet to use it. And I bought this shit like months ago. And every time I look at it, I'm like, okay, now today's the day. And I'm like, fuck that. For
1: what? Bottoming feels, oh my God, my pastors, let me know about this podcast that you're recording today. And I was like, I don't really want to let you know. (laughs) I ran into him before you got here. Oh no way! Yeah, and uh, he's, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm about to record a podcast. I'm really yeah. excited. And he's let me know. I'd love to listen to it. And in my head, I'm like,
0: oh jeez. You know what? If he's open to it, I would love to have him on, and we can have some really cool discussions that's and whatnot. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> uh, I feel like
0: bottoming feels
1: like an endless shit.
0: Like you're yeah. just taking a poop forever, and mm-hmm. it's never coming out. Yeah. So I had that's a, the perfect analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a couple. And some people enjoy that. <laughs> I
1: don't like. Anyways, I enjoyed it the first time. Yeah. Then I had a couple of really weird experiences and I just, but like at the end of the day, like I was excited to try things. So then I just kept going and experimenting. Then I just kept dating women. I just kept dating women this Mm -hmm. whole time.
0: After your interaction. I thought
1: men were sex toys. Okay. And not dateable. Uh Uh-huh. And women were to have relationships with.
0: Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that because that guy from The Bachelor came out. Oh my god and yeah. he said oh i've never had a meaningful connection with a man and he i forgot what it was exactly that he said but i feel like a lot of m- gay men who are coming out late in the way. game they they feel that way because they see other men and they see their interactions with their sexual interactions with men is just oh you're just a toy you're like a pleasure tool you're whatever and i think it's because I don't know. There are many theories behind this, but one of them could be because they're not, they don't allow themselves to establish any kind of emotional connection with anyone. Right. Yeah. And they're just treating these interactions as like disposable. Mm-hmm. And you're here for the moment. Like, all right, on to the next, like whip it out. Let's play with it. And then move on. on so to- it's mm-hmm. men
1: aren't dateable, but it, what was my play in this all?
0: Yeah. Cause yeah. I
1: showed up only looking for one thing.
0: Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm dating women the whole time with that philosophy. And then every time I would bring home a new girlfriend, it'd be like, oh my God. And seeing everybody happy, seeing everybody. And then all these stupid, straight men that judged me. And I say stupid because there's this angry part of that version. Because today I like wouldn't call people stupid in that sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, it was it felt so gratifying yeah. to find the hottest girl in the room, mm-hmm. have all of these guys gawk over her, yeah. and then be the one to seduce her. There was, like, a power thing there. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for years. And um, finally, like, I had been, I think, sober around four years or five years. And I fell in love with this girl who also identified as bi. And it was really cool because she was the first one that I was She was the first girl that I was the most honest that I've ever been with, Mm -hmm. and she loved me for who I was. And enjoyed sexual interactions with men. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And she just accepted me. And for a while, we made a joke. We were like, together, we make one whole lesbian and (laughs) one whole straight male.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or straight person. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So one whole gay person and one whole straight person. Yeah. uh So it was kind of like this thing. I really thought that I would be able to marry her, and then I cheated on her a lot. Uh Uh-huh. And then I started Googling Googling different terms. So I identified as a polyamorous pansexual. Oh, Jesus. Okay.
0: I shouldn't say, oh, Jesus in the house of God, but...
1: No, a lot of people do.
0: (laughs) By the way, we're coming to you in front of a live audience at a church right now. (laughs) (laughs) Should have mentioned that like in the beginning.
1: (laughs) It's 2021. So... I identified as that, not because I truly felt like that's who I am, but because I needed to identify with something that would excuse my behaviors.
0: Yeah, which a lot of people do. It's part of being able to cope, and it's part of— That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I use
1: them. To just, just
0: like when guys as a stepping stone they say things like oh i'm bi-curious right before coming out and saying that no i'm fully gay i'm just saying i'm bi-curious so that it gives the people around me the false hope that i'm still interested in women." right which i, I b- went through that
1: i believe in bisexuality
0: <laughs> yeah of course yeah. i think
1: there's real bisexuals out there so yeah i went through that and i ended up suicidal again uh-huh <laughs> and I just couldn't live that way anymore. And like everything, my reality started to unravel. And I don't know if it just gets worse as you get older because it's, you can't pretend not to know. Yeah. In the beginning, you're naive and you're young and it's okay to make things up as you go. But eventually once you hit your upper twenties, you're like, shit, I can't pretend. Yeah. So that's why I would just like, and I looked around and so I lived in a penthouse, had a new Jeep and life had a beautiful girlfriend and life was good. And I'm like, why do I want to jump out my window? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? So I told her that I wanted to take a break and then she found out that I cheated on her and then everything went down the drain and crazy. We broke up. It was super sloppy. I hurt a lot of people. I had to tell a lot of people that I was sorry, make amends to a lot of people and I basically just stayed out of the game for six months Mm -hmm. and didn't talk to anybody. And then I met John and that's where the story really took shape.
0: So you and then... So, you met John, your husband now.
1: Husband now. We just got
0: married March 27th. Yes, congrats. Yeah, crazy. How long have you guys been together before getting married?
1: I th- I say, I think we started dating in 2019. I'm okay. not sure if it uh-huh. was, it may have been September 2018. Mm-hmm. I got to go through like my Instagram okay. to yeah. find out. Yeah. But yeah, we dated, we kissed for the first time in September. Uh huh. And then. We got married in March. But he's the first guy that I've ever been in a relationship
0: with. Wait, you kissed for the first time? September 2nd. 2nd of which year?
1: I think it's 2018.
0: Okay. And then... Yeah, you, you know what?
1: It was 2018. Okay. Because we had okay. one whole year of living life, and then the world mm-hmm. shut down. And I asked him to marry me after one year.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So we started dating in September. Mm-hmm. And then... Not dating, because we still didn't... want. So he was very... He sat me down and he said, I'm not sexually attracted to you. Oh, okay. But I'm curious. Uh huh. And, and there's something there. Okay. And I don't know what it is. Uh huh. So I'm willing to go down this path, but I just want to let you know that this is where I'm at and I don't want to
0: lead you on. Oh, it's very transparent of him and also appreciated. Right. Uh huh. And his honesty, which right. a lot of people don't, can't even spell honesty. <laughs> and I was
1: like, I'm a big boy. Mm -hmm. i know what i want Uh i want to be with you i want to pursue you yeah and i'm not going anywhere Uh and at the end of the day it takes courage to fall in love yeah you have to be willing to and to allow
0: yourself to fall in love because there are a lot of people who put up this wall and this barrier and they're just like i can't allow myself to fall in love with someone even though i'm attracted to them because i'm just not ready for that or they're scared or they place material things in front of that yeah i love this guy but he can't provide for me the way that i've Feel I should be provided for and whatnot. But I'm also
1: unwilling to communicate how I feel I should be provided Mm -hmm. for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's Also, like, I didn't, I wasn't as afraid to be in love as I was more afraid of being loved. Mm -hmm. Because after years of shaming yourself, it's like, there's this belief that you're unworthy. Yeah. And so that's really what drove all of that. I remember after being with John for three months, I had a vision that we were going to get married. Uh Uh-huh. And that there was going to be ice around us. And I came out to my parents. I said, Mm -hmm. I'm dating a guy. Okay. And all along this whole journey, right, so since 2010 till 2018, they were aware of my bisexuality. Uh Uh-huh. But they always thought that it was a phase. Right. They always thought that it was coping with trauma. They Mm -hmm. always thought that it was drug-induced psychosis. Never... Would it be me? So my mom went through this whole, I know who you are because I'm your mother. My dad went through this whole, we've been through enough. And now you're putting us through this as if it were a choice. I needed to let them go. And for the first time in my life, like God bless my friends because they became the support system that I always wanted in my life. They became like the love, the unconditional love for me to be able to be me. Mm -hmm. I remember I fell in love with my first His name's Danny knows that I was in love with him And I told him I like you a lot And he was like that's cool bud But I don't don't like you that way But Uh I love you as a friend And it was the first time that I had been able to tell somebody That was a guy That I liked him Mm -hmm. And he didn't shame me he just, just like, that's cool, but I just, I love you as a friend. And so that really started this journey of being able to build healthy friendships and not sexualizing people. So what happened? I told John that I was in love with him and he said, I'm not ready to say that to you yet. And I said, that's fine. I'm not telling you, I'm not saying I love you because I expect you to say it in return. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I love you because I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow and I want you to know that I love you, which is pretty dramatic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i love it anyway i'm here for it <laughs> yeah.
1: and then he left and then in, in retrospect he told me that was one of the most courageous things that he had ever witnessed was like somebody saying i love you and i don't need you to say it back mm-hmm. but when he left i cried <laughs> he's gonna dump me he doesn't love me and then i called all my friends and i was like this is stupid it's waste the time i'm such an idiot like, it was, like, he never saw behind the scene. But, yeah, so then we just ended up going and going. And then in March, I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. We've been talking since September. You're scared to post pictures of me. You don't want to hang, you don't want to call each other something. But I'm like, are we boyfriends? Yeah. Are we not? Can we do that? Do you want to be boyfriends? Is that weird? <laughs> He's never been with a guy. huh He's never...
0: Not sexually, not intimately. He he had only
1: blown straight, confused, toxic men. Like white trashy. Gotcha. Like like MGK, like machine gun. Yeah. Like hot, like trashy white boys. Uh, I got
0: you. Which we love. So you... Like before we started recording, you told me that he was a virgin when... You guys, like you waited till marriage to have actual sex. But going back to our conversation on virginities, he had lost his oral virginity. Oral virginity. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay.
1: And then he had never been like pleased. Uh He only had this old gay man that he met on Grindr that was like seducing him for drugs. Oh, okay. Lick his ball once.
0: Oh. uh And he didn't enjoy it. Oh, poor thing. It's traumatic, right? (laughs) Not enjoying your ass getting licked. Come on. I
1: I tell all my straight friends, I'm like, you need to try it. I get it. You're straight.
0: Whatever. Um, Like, that has anything to do with anything. Everyone has an asshole. Everyone has nerve endings. If you're going to enjoy it, you're going to... Everyone gets hungry. Everyone shits. Everyone farts. Everyone burps. Like, everyone enjoys getting their ass licked. It's science.
1: I still don't (laughs) like him to... I don't... He, like, wants to see me poop. Not in a kinky way. Uh And we're married, like I'm your husband, like it's okay for you to poop and like me to be brushing my teeth. And I'm like, that will Mm. never be okay.
0: No, like I'm not even okay with farting around my friends. That's how (laughs) (laughs) those are like personal. (laughs) I don't even fart.
1: So yeah, he had never been, never done anything Uh ever. I had never been, had a boyfriend. He had never done anything. So I was the first guy that he kissed. I was the first guy that he had sexual experiences with. hmm And, yeah, we, so by now, like, we're both very committed to, like, our faith, which is Christian. Yeah. Which is weird because we ran away because we thought God hated us for such a long time. Uh-huh. And so now we're, like, committed to this religion which tells you don't have sex Mm -hmm. before marriage. And so going back to, I love like looking for love, but not being willing to like sacrifice for it. So it was weird, but I didn't feel the need to do that. Like I was okay with waiting Mm -hmm. because I loved him for being him, not for sex. Yeah. And uh, we also like, I settled for hand jobs and blow jobs. Yeah. But it was okay to wait to have sex, and it was just weird. And we built this foundation that wasn't based on physical. And I talked to this older gay mentor that I have in my life. He told me, if you found something special, Mm -hmm. hold on to it. Yeah. Because the physical fades. Mm -hmm. Eventually, like we were talking about earlier, like wrinkly penis. It's coming.
0: Yeah. Unavoidable. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so I was like, all right, whatever. Mm. But this whole time it's weird. Like you still, I still have these weird sexual stuff. So I'm still going to therapy, still processing all this stuff. And then whatever we go through, we're together for three years. And then I, f- I realized I wanted to marry him and I talked about it with different people. And the advice that I was giving is like when I had never experienced love, I had never experienced anything like this. And I finally experienced that. And I bought the ring. I was told, you don't know when the right moment is going to come. Mm -hmm. And so your job is just to be ready for it. Yeah. So I went and I bought the ring at Tiffany's. Because I was like, I'm not letting him, like, ever pick out the ring because he's going to be like, K-jewelers. No shame. But, like, Every kiss begins yeah, with Yeah, I was K. like, no, I'm, I can't. I'm a retail gay. I will not. I will respond. not. I, I, went to, I went to Cartier uh-huh. and I went to David German and I went to Tiffany's. Uh-huh. And I picked the one that I liked the most. Okay. And I bought two of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like, no. So... We went to Europe, mm-hmm. and I asked him to marry me in Switzerland. Oh, my he God. Was, I'm
0: so glad you didn't choose Paris under the Eiffel Tower. You're no. not a basic bitch. Okay. Well, we went to- we went. To, no shame to any basic yeah. bitches out there, but- Yeah, you're- basic bitches.
1: <laughs> they serve a purpose, right?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't.
1: <laughs> so we went to the Neuschwanstein Valley, uh-huh. which is where- it's called the Land of the Waterfalls. It's where they filmed Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. And it was snowing. Ooh. And it was all white. Uh-huh. And so there was ice, right? Because the vision that I had <gasps> six months into Ice. Looked, yes. Ice.
0: Oh, my gosh. And so
1: I closed my eyes and uh-huh. I said, I need a sign. I, yeah. asked, I was like, I need a sign mm-hmm. that it's the time. Yeah. And so when I opened my eyes, one single bird. Which, what the fuck is this bird doing there? Like, it's winter, it's cold. Like, she's supposed to be, like, hibernating or somewhere in the south.
0: Yeah.
1: Flew out of the valley and literally landed right where you are. Stop.
0: Yeah. Four feet
1: away, by the way. Yes. (laughs) And so I was just like, oh, my God. And in my mind, like, whether it be true or not, I was like, this is, I felt like it was his mother because John's mother passed away when he was 19 (sighs) Uh from cancer. So I was like, okay. That's the sign that I needed. Yeah. What are the chances that a single fucking bird is going to fly out to the canyon and sit four feet away from us? And we're pretty high up. Like, we had to take a car, like a, tr- a trolley, th- one of those things up.
0: Uh-huh. A cable so, car. A cable okay, car. Okay, yeah. Not yes, a trolley, honey. Those okay. are on land.
1: <laughs> my Esau comes out because I speak Spanish at home Eng- and sometimes the <laughs> English words just fall out. I don't know. Has that ever happened to you? It, you
0: no. no. <laughs> Sorry, you're alone on this one. So... Yeah. the car on the cable oh a- <laughs> cable car we take the
1: cable car up the mountain so i'm like hey let's close our eyes and like meditate for a second and take in the moment yeah. he's like okay so he closes his eyes i get down on my knee in the snow mind you i had been carrying these tiffany's rings with me all over europe Ugh. so waiting for this moment. moment i had to tell him to leave through security a couple times because they kept thinking that they were like bombs yeah so I get down on one knee and I open the thing and I'm like, do you want to do this? And he's, that's like what I said. Cause yeah. I just was like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And he's what? And I was like, do you want to do this? And he's, and I was like this. And I, I showed him the ring and he's what is this? And I was like, it's a ring. And he was like, what are you, what are you doing right now? And I was like, do you want to be my passenger for life? Oh my God. And he was like, babe. And I was like, what? And he's, I don't know what to say. Isn't it too soon? And I was like, you don't have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> so <sorry. laughs> <It snapped. laughs> if you want to say no, you can say no. It's okay. Uh-huh. And he was like, what? And I was like, you don't have to say yes. I'm totally cool with you saying no, whatever. Yeah. And he was like, no, I, yes. And I was like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I was like, and I already know. And he was like, yes. And, I was, <gasps> and so he was like, what do we do now? And I was like, funny you should ask. I have a second ring. So if you want to propose back to me, I brought it. <laughs> I hate you.
0: (laughs) I can't stand you right now. (laughs) So I
1: got up and he got down on his knee and he proposed back to me. It was like a moment. So Uh. we get engaged. Mm -hmm. Pandemic. Yeah. He's not allowed to live with me because he works. So John is the first openly gay member of staff that this church has ever hired. Uh Uh-huh. We're not allowed to live together because the you have to practice what you preach, right? And he preaches to children and young adults and and adolescents, and he's telling them like you have to you can't live with your partner, or you can't live with your girlfriend, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's a safe space. Like this church is very like nonjudgmental. But then the pandemic hits, and they say, oh, if you want to go stay with Javi. While we're quarantined, you can go stay with him. So that was like our Netflix trial. Okay. Uh huh. And then we got married in March. We're the first gay couple to get married here. Uh huh. It's a 112 year old church. Wow. So revolutionary in that sense. So there's this pressure, I feel like, from the community that's Mm -hmm. like, you have to be a certain way.
0: And you know what? Like, you, when you said that you and um, your husband now, John, like, you guys were waiting to have sex, we were judged for it. So the gay
1: community mm-hmm. was like, "You guys shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. because you're supposed to go through your whore phase because that is your rite of passage." Uh huh. And if you don't, it's not going to work. Yeah. So like they were instilling all of these fears in us, oh, and gosh. then everybody wanted. You know how like in the like what a royal wedding is? Oh, what is what kind of dress is she going to wear <laughs> for the wedding? So uh-huh. at our wedding, it's who's going to get fucked? Yeah. Who's the top? Who's the bottom? Right. Everybody was wondering that. Oh, my God. And they would ask us, like, so are you going to put it up his butt? So John's the top because he's, like, sporty. Javi, you're the top, right? Because you're more dominant and assertive. And just I just have this energy that's very dominating. So they were just like, you're going to be the top, right? Because John's super soft. Yeah. And so it was just like this thing going back and forth. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're both going to take turns. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we both have masculine things and we both have feminine energy and Mm -hmm. we both like to switch it up every now and then. Yeah. You watch TV and the media and everything's portrayed in a certain light. Yes. So like gay guys are portrayed as disease carrying promiscuous asshole, feminine queens. And it's just, there's no portrayal of a healthy gay couple. And so we didn't even really have much to turn to. But our pastor said, stop looking at it as a relationship between a man and a woman, or a man and a man, and just start looking at it as a relationship between two people that are in love. Yeah. And so that's really something that helped, and that's, like, where we just keep going back to. There's a lot of fear every day. There's a lot of, like, confusing stuff. Sometimes he wants to, like, hold my hand in public. I'm not comfortable with that.
0: Same-ish, yeah, depending on the environment that I'm in. I guess that's part of that internalized, like, homophobia but I'm also not into PDA either. Yeah, like I'm okay with a fun like little
1: kiss on the cheek right, or yeah. something being cutesy, but I don't need to walk down the street holding your hand.
0: Yeah, no. If I'm like in a place where I know that I'm in a safe space and even then when I'm in the safe space, I'm just like, all right, let's do this for two seconds because I just want to feel your skin. I want to feel your touch but we don't have to be all over each other i know it's too humid for that it's too humid like where am i it's too fucking humid for that and i'm really not into pd like when i see other people other couples being overly affectionate with each other i'm just like ill
1: like we're not in france
0: yeah like i'm not into that when i see like couples on a wall like making out in the middle of the street or like outside of whatever oh my god they did that at march the store the other day oh god this girl was like thank you
1: and he was like Yeah, no problem. And she, like, pulled down his mask and pulled down her... At the register.
0: Oh, God. I'm,
1: like, right here. And I'm just, like... (laughs) That's... Oh, my God. Ma'am, put your mask back on. I know.
0: Like, it's a cute little quick peck on the lips and move on. Like, I get it. We all do it. We're sexual beings and there are some people who don't mind it, but... I honestly, I'm not a fan of PDA or if I'm at the club and it's three in the morning and everyone has their shirt off and everyone's just like making out like, sure, fine, whatever. It's the right space it's the for vibe. It. It's the vibe, but otherwise, no, it's, we're at brunch. Yeah, <laughs> calm down. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, like. We just had mimosas. The acid reflux is coming up. Do not come at me with that tongue down my throat. (laughs) But anyway.
1: So it's been really cool to be like, to have the opportunity to be an example that it is possible and and be part of this hope that our narrative can be rewritten and that it is possible for us to have healthy relationships. And it is possible for us to have friends that we don't fuck or get fucked by. And it is possible to have Straight male friends that you can find attractive but not sexualize and take it because I think you actually talked about that once. I believe I did, yeah. Where you were like, it's not going to get any better if Mm -hmm. we keep trying to seduce straight men, right? Yeah, like it's not okay. And so, I think even like you're part of this rewriting the narrative too. Like, looking, and I've learned a lot from even listening to your podcast and getting uncomfortable. And also watching your stories and like being like, oh wow, like these thoughts you are provoking thoughts. Yeah. And you are like at least helping me, and if anything, like helping one person is always like, for me, is super valuable.
0: I love. That. Thank you. That means a lot. Like for you to say that and to acknowledge that, because that's essentially my goal with this podcast and with the way that I put myself out there on social media. I like that I make people feel uncomfortable and that I am provoking thought, even if it's in the most nastiest way like we're acknowledging that these things exist we don't have to go too deep into them i'm all about expanding our ways of thinking and just making the world a better more thoughtful place and everything that we've discussed here i'm so glad that we that i have you to openly share these things and i feel that Altogether, together from this discussion, there are so many things that people can take away from this. Mm-hmm. And hearing about your story, it made me feel many different ways. And it makes me think of all the other people who are going or who have been through similar situations and they either found a way to, to overcome it, to do better, to improve their lives. And then I think of those who are still struggling through it. So What do you have to say for anyone that's like struggling or that's like still trying to, I don't know how to put it into words, but.
1: I don't think that we were created Mm -hmm. to suffer and to hate ourselves. I think that we were made the way that we were made to be happy. I don't think that God created us to suffer. And if being inauthentic is provoking our suffering, then we're not being who we were created to be. Yeah. Never give up hope. I never thought my mom would walk me down the aisle. She walked me down the aisle. Oh. I never thought that my I would f- first dance with my... So my first dance was to Because You Loved Me.
0: Mm-hmm. Celine. Celine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, bawling, uh-huh. sobbing in my mom's arms. She was crying. I was crying. My grandma supports us. 30 people, Asian Chinese people, flew in from Peru to come to the wedding. Wow. Never give up hope. Never... I think that's part of it, too, because it, there's always... The hope that things can get better. Yeah. If anybody needs help or just somebody to talk to, you can give them my phone number or my Instagram and they can message me and we can just talk about it. Yeah. I just, I think that like never, you're not alone and as cheesy as it sounds, I think God does love you. I would say that to them too. That's really important. We all need some sort of spirituality. Yeah. The world gets too dark without it and things don't make sense because such horrible things happen. So I would really say that, yeah. God loves you. There's always things get, will get better. You have to put the work in. Be open to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, surround yourself with people that bring out the best in you, not the worst. Yes.
0: Amen to all of that. I don't okay. know what else. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. That's I couldn't think of a better closing for this, but okay. Javier, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having thank me. Thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough for this. This was beautiful i think that this is a very moving chapter to the Yasbro saga
1: yeah excited <laughs> to see what else comes from it
0: yes and i definitely you know look forward to having you again thank you so much yeah. i have the most love and appreciation for you thank you thank you thank you i can't thank you enough Ladies and gentlemen, that is all on this episode of Yaspero. Please, you know, as Javier had mentioned, if you or know of anyone who's struggling or if you yourself are struggling to get out of whatever situation that it is that you're in and just seek help. There's no shame in it, please. No matter what degree of pain you're feeling, no pain is too little, too small or too grand for you to reach out for help or for you to reach out and get the guidance that you feel that you need or get the guidance that you feel that you don't even need. You never know. But stay safe, y'all, please. I hate to ask for donations after this. But, <laughs> but please, if you're willing to donate, by all means, tap the link in the bio and have at it. And if not, then you know what? I still appreciate you for listening. Thank you so much, guys. Until next time, bye. I believe I can fly. By the way, do you guys remember when, for some fucking reason, you'd be like, I believe I can fly. I got shot by the FBI. All I wanted was a chicken wing. And I don't know. Anyway, bye.